Welcome. Welcome to Modern Mind. To Modern Mind. Ancient book. Ancient book. Where we together explore one of the most important books in human history. Welcome back to another Modern Mind ancient book. Isabel and I would like to apologize for our disappearance. Um, we got pretty sick for just a short while, but we're back. We're feeling good, and um, we're on to the final book of the Pentateuch, or the Law. And that's Deuteronomy. The Hebrew title means, these are the words. And it was taken from the first line of the text. The rabbinical writers refer to this as a repetition of the law, which is similar in meaning to the English title. Deuteronomy is a Greek transliteration from the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek Old Testament, and that means second law. This is not another law. This is the pinnacle of the Exodus generation. This is the moment when Moses gives his farewell speech and Joshua becomes the next religious leader, um, but also a warlord of sorts. And they cross the Jordan River and begin to take the land of Canaan or Canaan, which is their rightful land, as explained throughout the law up until this point. This is the generation, the new generation. The old generation has passed away. When Israel, or when the Hebrews, were taken from Egypt, they were two years just on the other side of the Salt Sea. They had sent spies into Canaan, and the spies came back and gave an unfavorable report. Now, this was after... God had shown the Hebrew people that he was powerful enough to give them the land. Well, the people didn't believe it. They were scared. And so that entire generation, 38 years worth of wandering in the wilderness had passed. Now, there's lots and lots in this book. In fact, this is my favorite of the of the law of the Torah the favorite book because basically if you decided to skip over the four four books you could get the gist of them by reading this this book has basically a recounting of everything that the Hebrews have been through Moses was a particularly interesting person in that, he likes to retell the stories. And he does that in such a way that he reminds the people who they were, what they've done, and what the results of these things will be. I'll leave that there for now. Not all of it's positive. Some of it is. Some of it's pretty negative. But it does say a lot about human nature. If you remove the... Hebrewness from this, or the Jewishness from this, and you just let it be what it is, the forming of a nation, 
under a leader who was very truthful. I mean, these are some of the most truthful words that are recorded in ancient history. Normally, these sort of documents record a sort of whitewashing. Uh, the people were perfect, the leaders were perfect, sort of thing. But that's not what Deuteronomy recalls. And, um, you know, I, I for one, I'm appreciative of it. I'm grateful for it. Because, you know, it shows human beings in the light, which we are, you know. So, the date of this is somewhere around 1406 B.C. Israel was poised to enter the promised land. So, if this were you, if you were having this experience, you would be standing in the plains of Moab, which is just south of Israel. It's uh, just south of the Dead Sea down there, right on the edge of the Jordan River. And you had already taken... Um, the land from a couple kings, and I'll let you read about it. You should you should read this to get the details. But that's you. You're ready. You're brave. Your warriors are ready. And your leader is getting ready to pass away. I mean, he Moses really wanted to enter the land, but he was forbidden. He was gonna he was gonna die on on this side of the river. So. You get some of the most important words to the Hebrew people who were soon to become Israel, so modern day Israel, that have ever been spoken. In fact, Israel recites Deuteronomy 6 every Sabbath. It's, uh, it's very important. It's called the Shema. S-H-E-M-A. So, in here is the Shema. Ancient, ancient, ancient chant. And so, you have God's divinity. First, you have Moses' closing speech and Moses' closing arguments and everything. And then you have, like, God's divinity. And you have humans' interaction with that, right? The Israeli people interaction with that. And the main issue is authority. God is divine. He has the authority. Human beings need to fall in line. The Jewish people need to keep the law. They need to listen to the voice of God. This is very important for them now and in the future. And by now, I mean 1406 BC. In the future, I mean today, according to this book. Next is worship. It must be done in the proper way. It must be done according to the commands and dictates that were given. It must also be honest. It can't be manipulative. It can't be self-serving. It can't accommodate the world standards. It has to be according to the dictates in which they received from the God who shone in the fire by night and in the cloud by day, and then later, in the tabernacle, his glory resided. Now, the dignity of man also must be preserved. And this deals a lot with his life, his family, his status, the way that individuals work with one another, for one another, toward one another. 
how the government was to run, how the people were to interact with one another. Now, bear in mind, at this point, the government is forming. It's not quite formed yet because they hadn't quite taken the land yet. They don't, they're not going to have a king for quite a while, and we're going to talk about this more, but that's a developing story. Israel was never really meant to have a king. The nation was meant to have God as their king, and each individual as a true, honest worshiper who understands the authority of God and the dignity of God, and therefore ascribes that authority to each individual in the nation and the world. And that takes commitment. This book clearly says that each individual must commit themselves to God fully. They must be above reproach. They must avoid anything that will lead them astray. When they come into the land, which they are going to take now, into the land of Canaan, Canaan, they are to utterly destroy the inhabitants and their gods and everything that they were so that they won't be tempted. Now, as we'll see, that doesn't happen. And the future of Israel is tenuous for these reasons, according to this book. You know, this book posits that the God who gave these revelations is active, moving, changing things in the world, and that he's always for his people. Now, being for his people sometimes entails some rather aggressive responses. We are going to learn so much more about that as we learn more about the Bible. However, understand that reading the book of Deuteronomy, you have to take it from the lens of an ancient world that was much more brutal than today. Now, there are parts of this world that are still every bit as brutal. However, not ours, not in the United States, not in Europe, not in many, many nations. We're very much tamed down. And so we read things like this, and you know, some of us take offense, but honestly, um, let's just let the book be what the book is, and learn from it, and learn about it. Even if we don't believe that that's the best way, we should let the ancient mind speak what is truly true. So commitment, you have to be committed to God, or else. The next thing is you must take your commitments to fellow man seriously. That's very important, and it's a very important part of Deuteronomy. Again, if you love God and worship God, if you give Him the dignity that He deserves, then you're going to give the dignity to each individual the same. Because God created man in his image. That's one of the decidingly different factors in this particular foundation of this religion. There is equality in human beings. They are made in God's image. It's very, very serious. Now, following that, if you have the authority of God correct, you ascribe the dignity to him, and you are committed... You have to show gratitude. These are your rights and privileges. You have to dedicate things to Him. You have to ask compassion in His name. You have to be willing to admit your wrongs. And you have to be able to um, accept what you must do right. 
and that's your privilege to serve God. Now, we must also understand that there are limits on our rights and privileges. We mustn't violate the rights of others. Now, that's a thing that in the United States has become a question. Many believe very, very serious things about this, and both sides of the aisle are accusing the other. This is a modern problem as well. Perhaps we can learn something from the Bible. So, we'll close the historical writings, as we had called them, the book of Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, or Leviticus, Numbers, and now Deuteronomy. And we're now we're going to add a little bit to that. This is also legal literature. It's legal literature that's slightly different than the way we might imagine it today because it's in relationship to God and the nation and the family and neighbors and enemies. Now, much of that we actually share in our law systems, our modern law systems. Most often, um, God is negated. However, God was the central part in this. He was the lawgiver. And if you know anything about the founding documents of the United States, there's a mirror there. God is the one who gives rights. And so, the Bible very clearly displays that. And so, this legal literature must be understood as instructional as well as judicial. It's not for the obedient, but for the disobedient. The spirit or godly attitude is what causes us to not violate the law, but the ungodly attitude causes us to violate the law. So that's how you want to approach this particular legal literature. And um, our time is up today, so thank you. Uh, for spending time with me and with Isabella as well. And uh, we just want to wish you the best during this season. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. Come back soon. Thank you for joining us for Modern Mind, Ancient Book. We hope that the time spent with us was valuable for you. It certainly was for us. Like Isabella said, please come back soon.